Freedom fighters, freedom lovers, and those who just want stuff for free. Hello, greetings. It is I, your favorite obscure social studies teacher with slightly above average looks, intelligence, and style, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the Professor Liberty Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I always appreciate it. If you'd like to email the show, the email is ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to send me your questions, your comments, your concerns, ideas for shows. You know, oftentimes your emails spark ideas and bring forth new material. So please don't hesitate to email the show. Also, please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating. Maybe give me a written review. I have free stickers. Free stickers. Everyone loves stuff for free, right? We're going to kind of talk about that today. But I got free stickers for anybody who writes me a written review. Then you got to let me know about it and give me an address. And I can send you your own limited edition. Professor Liberty sticker. All right, today we're going to just dive right in. Uh, Boy, this podcast episode has been a bear to just try to get all my thoughts together in a cohesive way. I hope it comes out as such. But we're going to dive deep into some political theory, uh, some philosophy, the nature of man. We're going to talk a little bit economics. I mean, we are going to go deep diving into this stuff. And so let me open it up with a question. Does man truly wish to be free? What is the natural predisposition of human beings? Do they yearn for freedom or for provision? Okay, think about that. Do humans really want freedom or do they really just want someone to take care of them? Sigmund Freud, the guy that came up with psychoanalysis, is quoted as saying, most people don't really want freedom because freedom involves responsibility and most people are frightened of responsibility. Commentator and author Dennis Prager, you might have watched his Prager U University uh, videos on YouTube, he once said, it's not true that people yearn to be free. It's a cliche. Many cliches are true. But this cliche is not true. Most people do not yearn to be free. Most people yearn to be taken care of, unquote. Even though these comments are kind of hard to stomach, I think deep down we know they're true. On average, it seems that most people would rather have a benevolent master than in fact be masters of themselves. So even in the words of the Declaration of Independence, the right to the pursuit of happiness, and we've talked about this on this podcast, that is the right to chart your own course, to live your own life, to be free. I don't think that is a human yearning, at least on the aggregate level. So in world history class, we are discussing the rise of totalitarian regimes across Europe and Asia. And to be honest, I think that's what sparked this entire podcast episode. Well, that in what I constantly see in today's youth, a major reoccurring theme during the 30s, especially in Europe, is this phenomenon where people openly reject democracy 
And yet, ironically, through the democratic process, vote for authoritarian candidates. Of course, I'm speaking of people like Mussolini and Hitler. Of course, in this country, it's not much different, at least since FDR, We have had this idea where you vote for a president and he will give you things. He will make your life better. He will provide things. You remember uh, the Obama phone. I'm voting so I can get a free Obama phone, right? So, So even in this country, it's the same way. Democratically voting for people to become leader so then that you will give me things. I mean, clearly, could you imagine a, can you imagine a candidate today going, hey, vote for me? And I think Barry Goldwater, uh, to some degree, tried this uh, in the late 60s, and he got demolished by uh, Lyndon Johnson. But could you imagine a candidate saying, vote for me, and I'm going to leave you alone? I'm not going to help with anything. I'm going to cut the government bureaucracies. I'm going to get rid of this program and that program and this program and that program. And you know what? That guy would go down in a ball of fire. He would he would implode. His campaign would cease to exist, even among the so-called freedom-loving conservative folks, right? I think about this question all the time. This, I think about dependency and security, and I think that's the default position of most people. Over the past two years, we've seen with this virus how easy it is to, for people to allow restrictions on their lives in the name of safety and protection. And did it do anything? Did it, did it have any effect on the virus? People got it anyway. I would say that liberty and the unknown dangers that come with it are only attractive to a minority of people. I'll say 25%. I'll make a prediction of about a third of the population. I've said this before. If you look at the breakdown of the American colonies during the revolution, it's divided approximately into thirds. On the question of self-governance, namely the colonies being free, about one-third of the population were patriots, One-third of the population were, you know, Tories or loyalists, you know, loyal to the crown. And about one-third didn't really care. And that last third, they just wanted to live their lives. They wanted the conflict to be over. They wanted to make some money. Uh, You know, I wonder if those numbers would still hold up today when discussing liberty. Now, being the cynic I am, I believe the number of people who don't care about liberty is at least 40% of this country. And that's probably growing. In a Gallup poll taken way back in 2014, the percentage of Americans that were satisfied with their amount of freedom, the amount of freedom that they possessed, had dropped from 91% in 2006 to 79%. That's a 12% drop in seven years. Now, this could be seen as an indication that people want more freedom because they're dissatisfied with the amount of freedom they have. And the poll goes on to say that the recession of 2008 and the, dis- the steady decline in the trust of government is probably the cause of Americans' dissatisfaction with how much liberty they have. Which, if that's the case, I'm sure those numbers are only worse now. And as it turns out, I'm pretty spot on with my one-third estimate. According to a Pew Research article, the number of people who say they trust the government most of the time, 
has remained about 30% since 2007. So only one-third of the American public truly trusts what the government is saying and doing. So here's the conundrum. If most Americans are dissatisfied with the amount of liberty they have, and if they trust the government, if trusting the government is averaging about 30%, one-third, why does it seem we're going in the wrong direction? Why does it seem that the government is growing, liberty is shrinking, and freedoms continue to erode? In my opinion, I think it's because most people don't want freedom. And the percentage of the people that do want freedom shrinks by the decade as schools aren't teaching about liberty, schools aren't teaching about freedom, small government, and government handouts and stuff that the government does for society continues to grow. And this is what pacifies people. We all know examples in nature, right? It says don't feed the wild animals. Why not? If you feed the wild animals, they forget how to take care of themselves, and they ultimately become dependent. If that's true for the wild animals, couldn't it also be true for people? Did you know about 20% of the population in America receives some kind of welfare benefits each month? 20%. Coincidentally, about 20% of the population is enrolled in Medicaid, which is the government-funded health care for seniors. Government provides housing, food, college, medical assistance, free vaccines, even free money. Since 2020, Americans have been receiving a steady stream of stimulus checks. Free paper money, no work required. Now, all of this has to suppress whatever liberty-loving instincts people would have naturally, would it not? And lo and behold... It's not surprising that younger Americans are falling right in line. A Pew Research Center study back in 2018 noted that the Gen Zers, so those are people born 1996-ish, the Gen Zers, so this is the generation after the millennials, are, quote, progressive and pro-government. A Forbes magazine article entitled, Eight ways Gen Z will be different than millennials in the workplace led with characteristic number one. Wait for it. Gen Zers are, quote, motivated by security, unquote. This makes sense, then, that younger generations who are motivated by security are also attracted to the allures of socialism. According to Education News, a poll taken in 2020 noted that almost half, 49%, of Gen Zers had a favorable view of socialism. Now, I'm going to try to labor this point, and hopefully I succeed, but a lot of things in economics are counterintuitive. Well, what does that mean? That uh, Counterintuitive means things that seem to contradict common sense. This is why uh, the allure and the attractiveness of socialism is always strong among the young and among those who are idealists and among those who, frankly, don't know anything about it. Even the famous economist Thomas Sowell said that he was once a Marxist because it seemed to make sense of reality. Of course, the more he studied, the more he learned or realized socialism is false. 
This is why teaching about socialism is so important. However, since the end of the Cold War, kids are growing up, not learning about the horrors of socialism, but instead they're being indoctrinated into it. We have whole swaths of the country who have never saw, grew up seeing, the juxtaposition of capitalism and socialism on their TV screens. You could see the Berlin Wall right there in all its glory. And on one side, there was misery and poverty. And on the other side, there was prosperity and freedom. You can see that today with North Korea. They always show the satellite. South Korea is lit up like a Christmas tree. And North Korea, you can't see anything. There's darkness. We have people literally thinking that socialism is going to allow them a, a, day, a whole lifetime of just luxury where they can blog and they can go to Starbucks and they don't have to work. Who cares if they're free? Their bellies will be full. They'll have no responsibility. Socialism promises the utopian experience. You can be freed from the shackles of things like work and bills and mortgages. This comes from Karl Marx himself. He describes this fantasy in his work, The German Ideology, where he writes, quote, For as soon as the distribution of labor comes into being, each man has a particular, exclusive fear of activity, which is forced upon him and from which he cannot escape. He is a hunter. He is a fisherman. He is a herdsman. He is a critical critic and must remain so if he does not want to lose his means of livelihood. While in a communist society, where nobody has one exclusive fear of activity, but each can become accomplished in any branch he wishes, society regulates the general production, and thus makes it possible for me to do one thing today and another thing tomorrow, to hunt in the morning and fish in the afternoon, to rear cattle in the evening, to criticize after dinner, just as I have a mind without fear of becoming the hunter, the fisherman, the herdsman, the critic, unquote. So according to Marx, because of capitalism and because of the materialistic world of supply and demand and because of greed and profit, people are forced into jobs so they can make money and support themselves. Imagine the horror. But once communism is instituted, somehow magically, these constraints will be erased and people can do whatever they want. How is this possible? Well, it's not. But according to Marx, it's possible because the government will give people all they need to survive. So they're no longer enslaved to things like a job. Of course, some of us know better. We know that work is required. If you want a decent life, if you want some semblance of economic and personal freedom, you must work. There is no magic pill that takes away the responsibilities of life. There's no clever economic solution to solve society's, quote, inequalities. And in his own life, Marx was what anybody reasonable person would call a deadbeat. He mooched off his parents until their dying day. He mooched off his friend Ingalls. He refused to work. He had a wife and kids that were starving, and he refused to get up. Working every day was beneath him, you see. And this makes sense because this is Marx we're talking about. If he had a steady job, he might be a tool, a slave of the bourgeois. 
So he had to put his money where his mouth is and be a deadbeat loser. But here's the thing, folks. Marx is alive and well today. A lot of people are like Marx. They don't want to work. They want to play. And as the generations pass, many are being conditioned towards security and government provision. In fact, I just saw this morning somewhere on the Internet that there is an anti-work subreddit. So this whole thread, this whole group on Reddit is called anti-work. This whole group sits around talking about how they don't want to work. Right. Working is bad. It has one point six million followers, almost two million people on this thread sit around talking about not working. Talk about little Karl Marx's, all these little Karl Marx children living out the fantasy. Why? Because they'd rather play video games or watch Netflix or, you know, instead of going out and working and building something and, and leaving a legacy, they want to do nothing, no responsibility. Well, if you want freedom, you have to have responsibility. So let's go back to my question here. Let's circle back. As someone in the press corps often says today, we'll circle back to that. So let's circle back and uh, let's go back to the original question. Do humans yearn to be free? Is it the natural state or desire of human beings to be free? Or do people mostly just want safety and security? I threw this question out on the Facebook page, and I got some interesting responses I thought I would share. One person wrote, We seek safety and provision, but we want to secure it in our own way. Some people desire to build their own lives, and some people want others to build it for them. I think it's dependent on the individual, their upbringing, and the times and circumstances. Another person wrote, It probably depends a lot on the person and circumstances of their upbringing. From my vantage point, it is usually a focus on safety and provision until that has been consistently maintained, and then freedom. Those who have relatively safe and well-provisioned upbringings probably yearn for more freedom at younger ages than those who are in trying circumstances, unquote. I tell you, I got some smart cookies that follow Professor Liberty. You can go to the Facebook page and become part of, <laughs> it's definitely not going to be a thread on anti-work, I'll tell you that. After reading these and other responses, I think the common themes are the yearning for freedom, in a sense, is individualistic. So it goes down to the person, because when it goes to the masses, like a lot of other things, it gets convoluted. But clearly there's this competition between freedom and security. And this has been a debate in our country uh, ever since we have been around. And especially during like the war on terror, there is a huge debate over what's more important, liberty or security. Uh, that came up that came up uh, last year and the year before that with, you know, the vaccine, liberty or security. Uh, and this is where education comes in. People, especially young people, must be taught the value of things like personal responsibility, self-reliance, the dignity of work and so on. And in previous generations, those things were taught. Those things were taught in school. 
They were taught at the dinner table. They were taught in the culture. They were taught in movies. They were taught in books. But today, a different thing is being taught. We are, we are living a life. If you, if you guys really want to know what's wrong with society, it's the rejection of personal responsibility. I want you to think about that. If you, if you could nail down what is wrong with the world, it is the rejection of personal responsibility. It is never my fault. According to President Biden, he has outperformed this past year. You could look at all the evidence you want to look at, but according to him, he is outperformed. The president before him, oh yeah, try to get him to admit any wrongdoing or any mistake. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, today's world it is all about somebody else's fault. Well, you can't be free. I can't be a free agent and make my own choices if I'm not responsible or take responsibility. It just doesn't happen. And you can't be free if someone else is giving you things. That is dependency, boys and girls. If you are dependent on your mother, your father, your wife, your husband, and some of that dependency is fine. Don't get me wrong. Okay, if you're married, we are dependent on each other. It's called a team. But if you, if you are getting money from somebody, there's always strings attached, right? The debtor is always a slave. And speaking of slavery, there's only two groups of people that can get everything they want for them. They, everything is provided for them, and they don't have to, quote, do anything. One is a slave. Now, a slave technically used to be a worker, right? You had to work for all your things, but a slave got a free house, free clothes, free food, and a prisoner. A prisoner gets free house, free clothes, free food, don't have to do anything. Now, prisoners used to have to work back in the day, but now most of the time they just sit in a prison wasting away. Are you a prisoner? Are you sitting in a room day after day, doing nothing, wasting away? And here's my last question, boys and girls. If that's the case, wouldn't you rather step out and experience the, yes, the dangers, the challenges of freedom? If you're free, it's scary. You're going to have to make some choices in life. And you're going to have to deal with those choices and live with those choices. But they were your choices. You chart your own destiny, life, liberty. And don't forget the pursuit of happiness. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating and leave me a written review. If you're a teacher or a homeschool parent, go to TeachersPayTeachers.com and check out the lessons and activities, and it's a way you can support me financially. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.